Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are stilled, when striving ceases. My comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ. In Christ alone, who took on flesh, fullness of God in helpless day, this gift of love and righteousness, scorned by the ones he
Good morning, everybody. Wow, the weekend is over and we are back in the studio here on this episode number 217 of Rise Up. I hope you guys all had a wonderful weekend. Uh, It is raining like cats and dogs here in New Hampshire as we get into that uh, fall weather. Um, Every Halloween, I think, Eli, it rains. Every Halloween. All those kids out there drown rats. Uh, Anyway, folks, I had a good weekend this weekend. Hope you all had a uh, had a phenomenal weekend as well, and uh, you know there's uh, there's some stories that happened in my life this weekend that I'd like to talk about. So we're going to talk about that today, and the title of today's show is "Will the Defendant Rise?" Have you ever heard that before in your lives? Will the defendant please rise? I've heard that, unfortunately. But whether you've heard it in your past or not, you are going to hear it in the future. Are you prepared? Is your defense prepared? Ashley Garland said she received the check, Eli, and she got given it to her sister, Anna. (laughs) Sorry that it takes so long to get there. The post office is what it is. Will the defendant please rise? We're all going to hear that someday. So we all need to be prepared. We all need to have or at least make sure that we have access to the best defense attorneys. Or should I say to the best defense attorney. So today we'll talk about that and much, much more. I've even got a video to show you from Frank Turek today where he's having a rapid fire question and answer with a person trying to disprove the existence of a creator. So that'll be fun. Um, Jeremy, do you want to fast and pray on Sunday, November 5th? Because in a year is when we will vote for Donald Trump to be president. I'm all for it. I'm all for it. I will fast with you on November 5th. All for it. hundred percent. I will definitely do that with you. You'll just have to remind me. I know it's only six days away, but you'll still have to remind me. All right, folks. Uh, we are eight minutes past the hour. If we could Uh, Go to the Lord in prayer and, um, you know, ask for clarity on today's message because some episodes are sad. Some are really happy. Some are really, really uh, theological. We get into some deep discussion. But I think every rise up that we've had, all 217 episodes, I don't think there's any more important one than the last one. I I think they're all collectively just as important um, as they are individually and from each other. I, I, I believe the urgency in the message is always there. And that is that whether it's I need safety, whether it's I need comfort, whether it's I need someone to guide me through this tough time, whether it's I need a shoulder to cry on, whether it's I know that somebody is holding my hand with me and we are jumping for joy like we're skipping on a beach on a beautiful Saturday morning. The fact of the matter is, all of it is just as important as the other. It's all urgent. And you need to understand that the sense of urgency that we speak of when we are on this show is, today could be your last rise up. Today could be my last rise up. Today could be Eli's last day at work. We have a, um, an LFA family member in here who said that they had a, a friend pass away this weekend. And that now they're in heaven with Jesus. 
and to please pray for their family. I bet two weeks ago you didn't think that was going to be the way it is today. And that's my point. And we're praying for you. And we're very, 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 very sorry for the loss of somebody so clear, uh, close to you. But today could be our last rise up. Today could be your last rise up. Today could be the last day to tell your wife that you love her. Today could be the last day that you tell your children that you were wrong and they were right. It could be over with. And that's the sense of urgency that I'm talking about. So when you hear, will the defendant please rise, are you ready with the best defense that you could possibly have? Let's go to the word, uh, Lord in prayer. In the name of Yeshua, our Lord and Savior, our mediator, our defense attorney. Please remove your hats if you're wearing one and bow your heads. As you can see, I'm, I'm still uh, holding true on the beard. I'm not, I'm not shaving until the 1st of December, so we'll see how long it gets. Uh, looking a little out of control there, but uh, let's please bow our heads. Here we go. In, in the name of Jesus. Lord and Heavenly Father, Lord, we know that there are so many people out there that need Jesus Christ to defend them and argue for them on their behalf. We also know that in order to do that, they must give themselves to him, knowing that he will be their safety net, knowing that he will take care of them, knowing that he did die for them, And it's the least that they could do is give him some respect. And in turn, they will get his love and the mercy of you, our Father in heaven, and your grace. Lord, there are so many of us out there that are still acting hypocritical. There are still so many of us out there that are watching and listening to this show today that are saying, you know what? Every day I said that I'm going to change and I don't. Let today be that day because it is urgent. And you need to have a good defense. You need to have a a defense attorney and a good defense on that day. And that day could be tonight. Have you, we need to understand and we need you to help people understand, Lord, Father, God in heaven, the urgency of today's message. If you're not ready, if your defense is not prepared and we do not have a defense attorney, we don't have the time to do so. We needed to do that yesterday. That's the sense of urgency that we want to get across today, Father in heaven. So if you could please guide us through that and have some clarity through the Holy Spirit in me, your humble servant, to get your message out there, Lord. We give you thanks for the ability to be able to understand your message and for the fact that you want to talk to us to begin with. Thank you so very much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Jeremy, that's a short beard. Haven't cut mine in years. I know, I know, but I've never had a long beard. And this is about a little bit longer than this, as long as it's, I've, it's ever gotten. So, you know, bear with me on that, on the, uh, the growth of the beard. Maybe I'll keep it. Who knows? Um, but anyway, I want to get to the verse first, and then I want to get to today's video that I wanted to share for, with you from Frank Turek. Um, And I want to read the description as well. The description says, will the defendant rise? Like I said, you will hear that 
one day, if you've not already heard it, it'll either be a very scary moment or the moment you've been waiting for your whole life. Only those who have access to the greatest attorney in heaven will be found innocent. Have you secured your time to discuss this with your attorney? Have you spoken with him on how you will be defended or what crimes that you may be charged with and are guilty of? Maybe you should go ahead and make that appointment today. So please, ladies and gentlemen, give us a like, and please help us spread the gospel, not gossip today, as we are now approaching 15 minutes past the hour. I want you to all open up your Bibles almost to the very end, almost to Revelation, okay? We're going to go to 1 Timothy 2.5, okay? So please go to 1 Timothy, the first epistle of Paul, the apostle to Timothy, and we're going to go to chapter 2, verse 5. Chapter 2, verse 5 on 1 Timothy reads as follows. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men. And then it says, the man, Christ Jesus. Now, we're going to read more of that in context in a minute. But before we do, I want to dive deep into this verse in chapter 2 here. It says, for there is one God and one mediator to all men, the man, Christ Jesus. So that means that there is only, just like Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes through the Father to the Father but through me. So that's Jesus unequivocally, very matter-of-factly saying, I'm the way. None of the other prophets are the way. None of the other doctrines are the way. The Old Testament and the prophecy that was found in that scripture and me, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, here today, son of God and son of man, am the only way that you can get to our Father in heaven, period. Not Muhammad. Not Elijah, not Elisha, not the Pope, not the Catholic Church, not the, mess, the Baptist Church, not the denominational churches, not an orthodox way. Jesus Christ, period. No religion, no active service, no work. You cannot bribe God. You've got to come through Jesus and you've got to accept the works that Jesus Christ already done. So it's very clear, not only in the way Jesus describes it, But also here in 1 Timothy, there is but one God and one mediator to all men. And then it says the man, Christ Jesus. So let's break that down. The man, Christ Jesus. Why does it say that? Because the deity, which is Christ Jesus, the one in three, three in one, the God himself portion of it is not Ultimately, what saved us from our sin. If that were so, then he would have called on the legion, legions of angel armies to come down and do God's bidding. See what I'm saying? The man Christ Jesus the fact that he was a man, the fact that he was so fragile, 
the fact that he was God manifest in the flesh, literally subduing all the power of God so that he could be 100% man, so that he could be sacrificed, so that he could be whipped, tortured, beat, spit on, kicked, punched, stabbed, cursed, mocked, because God cannot be any of those things. It says that in the Bible too. It says, God will not be mocked. There is no greater power in the universe than God. You cannot hurt God. You cannot destroy God. You cannot kill God. So that is the Muslim's argument that if you think Jesus is God, then how dare you blaspheme the name of Allah or God by saying that the Roman Catholic Church and the Pharisees and the Sadducees of that day killed God because they do not understand the Trinity. They do not understand three and one, and they do not understand that God gave up power on purpose to become weak and fragile, on purpose so that he could be beat, tortured, and killed, on purpose so that he could save us by choice. Ah, that last part. The whole reason for all of it to begin with. Free will. So, the man Christ Jesus. There is no other mediator. There is no other God. And now, I've already last week proved, I believe, that the Jewish people are their own worst enemy and their rejecting of Jesus Christ is comparable to the ultimate sin, rejecting the one true God after knowing he exists blaspheming the, 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 the power and the existence of God, knowing with proof that he exists and knowing with proof based on fulfillment of prophecy of the Torah that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. And now I want to prove today Again, going back to I am the way, the truth, and the life, and that you need the best defense attorney on that day when the defendant, when they say, will the defendant please rise? Guess who's not making it? Jews who have not accepted Christ and Muslims and Buddhists and fake Christians. Very few of us will be there. Jeremy, you, that, that's very pompous of you to say that you're going to be in heaven and other people aren't. Who are you to judge who's going to be there? Not. I'm not. I'm echoing. I'm just, a, I'm just a mouthpiece. I'm just echoing something that somebody far greater than me already said. So if you don't like it, too bad. I guess we shouldn't have school then. I guess we shouldn't have literature. I guess we shouldn't have arithmetic. I guess we shouldn't have history. I guess we shouldn't have science, biology. I guess we shouldn't have um, English class. I guess we should do nothing. I guess we should learn absolutely nothing because none of us created it, right? None of us are the ones that did it. We're just parroting and echoing somebody else's findings, somebody else's hypotheses, somebody else's uh, research, right? Somebody else's documenting of history, you know, like the Bible, right? Funny how we believe some history, but not others, right? 
I'm going to go to some stuff that I saved here. I want to read it to you. I'm going to prove to you right now that Muhammad is not the prophet of Allah or God or Yahweh or whichever name that you choose to identify to God in heaven, the creator of all things. Because again, remember, we all go back to the same God through Abraham. It's after Abraham that we all start splitting, right? So I'm going to prove to you that the only way to God is through Jesus Christ. Because if you know God, then you know what he would not allow and what he would allow. Amen? Now, first of all, Muhammad married his wife at seven years of age, her being seven, not him, and consummated that marriage with her at nine years of age. I don't think that is godly. Now, I'm not good because there are none good but God. But I can guarantee you that goodness does not consummate with a child at the age of nine. I don't care what culture or time period you are in. That is biologically and morally disgusting and wrong. Number one. Now let's move on to some comparisons, shall we? Again, I'll be reading from the Quran and the Bible. In the Quran, 3045, 332, and 2238, Muhammad says, Allah hates those who do not accept Islam. In the Bible, John 3.16, Jesus said, God loves the whole world and wants salvation for everyone. Wow, what a contrast. No comparison there, amen? Okay, what about this one? Muhammad said in IBN Ishaq 992, fight everyone in the way of Allah, and kill those who do not believe in Allah. The Bible, Matthew 5, 14 says, Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. So if both Islam, Christianity, and I guess Judaism as well, all says that God is God of all powerful, God is all good, God is all knowing, nobody is greater than God, God is love, peace, kindness, joy, and all that. Tell me, how does this make sense? Let's move on. Let's go to Muslim 133, where Muhammad says, I have been ordered to fight the people until they bear witness that there is no God but Allah and that Muhammad is the messenger of Allah. In Luke 19.10, Jesus says, I have come to seek and to save those who are lost. Oh, and let's not forget that Jesus came to serve everyone. See, ladies and gentlemen, I'm, this is where the rubber meets the road here on Rise Up. We're not playing games. We're not denominational arguing. We're arguing facts from what Jesus said and the prophecies that he fulfilled and the historical evidence that matches up with all of the theological discussion 100% with fake religions and fake prophets that billions of people follow. Oh, and by the way, the hunt for Jews is back on. Wait for my 11 o'clock show and you'll see that. But I've got much more here. Again, I'm reading from these two books. I'm not saying something that I made up. And a lot of you don't know anything about the Quran, so I am comparing and contrasting, I should say. Muhammad stoned women for adultery in Muslim 4206. You can look it all up. I have. Jesus saved a woman from being stoned for adultery in John 8, 7. 
How about Muhammad allowed Muslims to steal from infidels? In the Bukhari 44668 and the IBN Ishak 764. Jesus said, thou shalt not steal in Matthew 19, 18. Again, you tell me who sounds holy, who sounds of God or of Allah, and who sounds of this world, who sounds of the devil. In the passages that I'm reading of the two so-called largest world-known prophets. Again, married his wife at seven and consummated that marriage at eight. That means, or nine, that means had sex with her. Okay? Muhammad allowed Muslims to die, or to lie, excuse me, to lie. And if you go to the, and I, and I know I'm probably butchering the pronunciations of these verses in the Quran, but if you go to the Sahai Muslim 6303 and the Bukhari 49857, Muhammad allowed Muslims to lie. Jesus says in Matthew 19, 18, do not lie, bear or bear false witness. Again, you tell me who sounds holy and godly. If there is a God, you tell me which one sounds more correct. Here we go. Muhammad owned and traded slaves in the Sahai Muslim 3901. Jesus never owned or traded slaves ever. Odd, isn't it? How about Muhammad and his followers beheaded 800 Jewish men and boys in the Sahai Muslim 4390? Jesus and his followers did not behead anyone. As a matter of fact, when they did draw their sword to even strike somebody, what did Jesus say to them? Muhammad ordered the killing of those who insulted him in the Bukhari 56, 369, 422, 41. Jesus preached forgiveness in Matthew 18, 21, and 22. Muhammad said, Jihad in the way of Allah raises a person's position in paradise a hundredfold. Jihad, you know, basically suicide bombers, stuff like that, raises your position in paradise a hundredfold. And you can find that in the Muslim 4645. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called sons of God in Matthew 5, 9. We've got a few more to go here. And I think this is important enough for me to do this. I think it's important enough for me to do this. Now, somebody said, Jeremy, are there different versions? I have a friend who practices Muslim, Islam, and they don't believe this. No, there's not. Just like there's no different, um, I guess there's different versions of the Bible because we have so many non-denominational people all over the world. We have so many different languages. Well, the Quran isn't like that. There isn't like, there isn't like 30 different versions of the Quran. What you're dealing with when you deal with the Quran and people that are not doing what it says, if you're a radical Muslim, you're doing what the Quran says. If you're a radical Muslim. Okay. But you have most people that claim to be Muslim that are not practicing based on their book. Just like you have most Christians that are not practicing based on their book. The difference is the Christian book tells you to practice to be good and to be Christ-like and not be bad and not kill people. But we do the opposite. Where the Quran teaches you to do all the bad stuff kill people. It also teaches you to be kind too, so it's so hypocritical. So much of it is. Also tells you it doesn't know anything about anything when it really comes down to it. But its followers do the opposite and try to do good. So it's just so weird. It's all so odd to me. Muhammad married 13 wives and kept many sex slaves in the Bukhari 5, 268 and Quran 3350. Jesus never married. 
Muhammad ordered the killing of women in the IBN Ishak 819 and 995. Jesus never harmed any woman. Muhammad killed prisoners and cap- they captured in battle in the IBM Ishak 451. Jesus never captured or killed anyone. Muhammad encouraged his men to rape their female slaves in the Abu Dawood 2150 in the Quran 424. Jesus never enslaved women or encouraged the enslaving or raping of anybody. Again, you tell me. I don't think there's anyone that could give an example of a real true comparison to which one are between the two and, 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 and then come out on that and say, you know what? Islam sounds like the way to go. Islam sounds like the way to go to me. So now we have, in two weeks, showed you the very, very deep contrast between Christianity and Islam. And it comes down to their prophets and their book, right? That was written hundreds of years after Jesus, by the way. And all the scriptures and all the prophecies. So we've shown you that. And now we go back to last week when we talked about Judaism basically rejecting what God gave all of us as a way to heaven, even though they have the proof backed up in the Torah, which is the Old Testament. After those two, you tell me, are you glad that you're following Jesus Christ? I know I am. I know I am. Oh, and by the way, getting back to Israel and all that, the Palestinians, those people that are funded by Iran and the CCP and killing and raping people everywhere, yeah, those people, um, I hate to break this to you, all you Democrats and all of you people who hate Columbus Day and want to call it Indigenous People Day. The reason why you do that is because you hate the fact that Europeans were colonizers. So you call the modern-day America a, a colonizer. We're all colonizers, okay? We've colonized this land, and we've taken it from somebody. Well, I hate to break it to you people, but the Jewish people, by historical evidence, not just, you know, godly or or, 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 uh, or spiritual or prophetic, anything like that. I'm talking about historical evidence. The Jewish people were in that land hundreds, if not thousands of years before the Palestinians. The Palestinians were given that land and allowed to be, and allowed to colonize that land by superpowers. When the Arabian people start, or when the Arab Peninsula started spreading out and taking over everything, like in Northern Egypt and everything like that, Christianity was there way before that, by the way. When people started branching out and taking over everything, Palestine colonized that region. So for you, for you to hate colonizers, they stole that land first. Just say it. You want to talk about historical proof, facts, and evidence, that's all I'm about here, baby. And I don't give a crap which side it falls on. It's all about facts and evidence. Pretty simple, isn't it, to see all this stuff once you start breaking it down. So now I want to read to you that entire chapter, um, 2, 1 through 2, 7, okay? And it says this, Therefore I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Very stark difference between that and Islam, isn't it? From what we just read this morning. Isn't it? 
Then it goes on to say, For there is one God and one mediator between God and all men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time, for which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I am speaking the truth in Christ and not lying, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and in truth. Again, all you have to do, all you have to do is read for yourself, research for yourself, and you'll find out a lot. You'll find out quite a lot. Now, before we get into the verse, uh, I mean, the, um, the video of the day today, which is another video from Frank Turek, um, I want everybody to start out their day with Proverbs this week, if you can, Okay. Everybody this week, start out your day with Proverbs. Read Proverbs. And start at the very beginning, and just every day this week, read as much as you feel like you God wants you to read. And before we get into this video, I want to read from Proverbs 12.25 right now, which says, worry, worry, anxiety, trying to always wonder what's going to happen tomorrow, all that worry weighs a person down. An encouraging word cheers a person up. I don't know any more encouraging words than you'll read in the book of Proverbs in the Bible, the Christian Bible. So if you really want your week to start out different and you want your week to end up better than last week and the week before, I encourage you to read Proverbs every day. I'm going to do it this week as well. We have 1,200. We only have 1,200 people watching. That's odd, Eli, isn't it? Usually there's 1,700, 1,800 people in here right now. If you guys could all do me a favor, we only have 297 likes as well. Please share and like. That would be great. As we go into our video of the day of Frank Turek, fast, rapid question and arguing or, or, or answering with, a, um, with an atheist. And uh, I really like Frank Turek is just so great at breaking things down, like, like Ray Comfort, but in his own different way. More, in a, more, uh, more of a theological uh, library study facts kind of way. So let's go ahead and uh, Frank Turek, ladies and gentlemen. The argument from uh, complexity, uh, mm -hmm. what did you call the tele something? The teleological argument. Telos is a word meaning design or purpose, yes. That as well as the cosmological argument. They're great arguments for deism, uh, showing that there has to have been some sort of cause. But all it boils down to is an argument from ignorance, which, as you probably well know, is a logical fallacy. You're saying, I don't know how this came to be, therefore we're going to accept this statement. So you really can't be intellectually honest if you're saying, from a philosophical standpoint or even a scientific standpoint, that this is proof that a God exists. Because you're simply saying, I don't know, and then jumping to, well, okay, it must be this. You're saying that this is a God of the gaps argument. That's what you're trying to say. What's going on, guys? So this is the primary argument against theists. They always claim that we're arguing from a place of ignorance or the God of the gaps theory. So when a theist talks about God or evidence in scientific terms, they say, well, you're arguing from ignorance. You're, you're assuming God because you don't know this information. This information, there's a gap in knowledge. So you just insert God there to fill the gap because you just don't know. Well, they assume that Christians don't know. They, they assume that we don't know. We do know. It's not intellectually dishonest to say that God did it because it's obvious. Everything in reality is pointing to God. Living material does not come from non-living material. Creation demands a creator. Just like a building is proof of a builder, it demands a builder. Ray you Comfort. just can't have buildings come out of, out of nowhere. You can't have living material just be produced 
from nothing. So the fact that we have life is proof that something created it. It's intellectually dishonest to say, I don't know how the universe came into being, but exclude God as a possible solution or ignore the evidence. The evidence, for example, complexity, the evidence in DNA. Listen to how Frank Turk responds to the God of the Gap argument and completely dismantles it with DNA. Okay, exactly. that's, that's not what we're saying. Let me, let me give you just two minutes on this. You see this? I this do. is an amoeba, something the Darwinists say we all evolved from. And uh, notice An it ancestor does, of the amoeba. Yeah. Now, now, notice it doesn't say made by Yahweh or made by natural forces on it, right? Yes. So, always the scientist is going to have to make an interpretation. In other words, science doesn't say anything. Scientists do. But this was considered no big deal back in Darwin's day. This was considered to be a blob of protoplasm and maybe natural forces could come together and put this together and through natural selection we could all be here. There's no need for a designer in other words. Today we know that that's not the case. In fact, inside of this little amoeba is something that clearly has the marks of design. In order to show you this, I got to take you to your breakfast table. How many people in here like alphabet cereal? Let's suppose you want to have a bowl of alphabet cereal. You're a teenager. You come downstairs to have a bowl of alphabet cereal, and you see that the cereal's knocked over on the table, and right in the middle of the table, the letters spell, take out the garbage, mom. What are you going to assume? The cat knocked the box over? Earthquake shook the house? No, you're going to say that that's intelligent design from an intelligent being, mom. Do we just lack a natural explanation when we see take out the garbage, mom? Or is that positive evidence for an intelligent being? Well, in and of itself, it's not evidence for an intelligent being. We can make the inference because it's a natural process. Um, wait, wait, hold on, hold on. What was that? <laughs> we, we can make an inference. We, that, it, you always make inferences. Yes. Are you inferring that an earthquake did this or that mom did this? You're inferring that your mom did this because you have evidence of things like this not happening outside of intelligence. That's exactly the else. point. However, you got it. With the universe, we only have one universe. Hold on, hold on. I'm not done. Okay, okay. This, I'm just saying okay. that this is evidence of intelligent design, and you agree with that? Sure. Okay. Well, if this is intelligence or evidence of an intelligent design, then DNA must be as well. Because you see, DNA is a message like take out the garbage mom, but in a human being, it's three billion letters long. So if something that's what? 15 letters long requires an intelligence, then something 15 billion letters or, or, 13, or 3 billion letters long Amen. requires an intelligence. Amen. You say, well, maybe it started simpler. Like uh, maybe it started in an amoeba. The problem in an amoeba has a thousand volumes of an encyclopedia worth of information in it. The simplest code is thousands of volumes long. So if take out the garbage mom shows there must be an intelligent being, then it seems to me that a message much longer also requires an intelligent being. And by the way, it's not me who came up with a thousand volumes in a microscopic amoeba. It's Richard Dawkins himself. All right, we're going to pause this right here. Richard, Richard Dawkins is like the leady, you know, leading atheist on planet Earth who's, whose Bible is Darwinism and evolution. And every single time this man, Richard Dawkins, has gone to an interview, excuse me, a debate with anybody who's theologically, um, you know, advanced in any way, shape, or form, they crush him every time. The man never wins an, a, a debate ever. 
because he never has anything other than I don't know what is possible. And he points to scientific hypothesis and maybe some scientific research that might say that this could happen, but it's never even close to how much proof that we have as creationists. And that's why I love the Creation Museum down at the Ark, because when you go through it, it kind of gives you both, like schools should. And then you decide based on the evidence and the proof that you've been presented and that you have found and the data that you've poured through, you decide when you come out of that Creation Museum, is it more likely that we were created or is it more likely that we came up out of the swamp with a tail and two back legs and two front legs and crawled or whatever and then became humans with opposable thumbs and IQs like we have who built modern cities? I mean, the evidence does not stand on the side of evolution. It never has. It never will, which is just asinine why we teach evolution in all of our schools that tells you there's an agenda we're going to keep going with this because i like where it goes and he's right if 15 letters long prove to you that an intelligent creator or designer made those 15 letters then you would be an idiot to say that there's not a, an intelligent designer that made the sequence of 15 billion moving on Great explanation. And there's no ignorance behind that. It's either one of two options. DNA was designed or it happened randomly. And what are the odds that I go outside and my leaves randomly fall in the order? Please rake me today. What are the odds of that happening? Exactly. The odds are astronomically low None. to a point where Zero. it would never happen. Never what are happened. the odds of the DNA molecule, the cold happening randomly what are the odds of that that's not ignorant that's just common sense it did not happen from nothing it was design so when we infer to design we are not creating a god of the gaps argument here we are saying that we have positive evidence for intelligence my only problem here is extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence Take out the garbage mom isn't all too extraordinary, but an entire universe you're attributing exactly. to the creator for which there's no evidence. <laughs> He's for which proving his own, is our own point. Outside of time, outside of space, doesn't, uh, isn't made of matter. Right. So you're trying to prove what is in its nature unprovable. Why is it unprovable? We're, we're, we are using spaceless, timeless, immaterial things right now. Like what? The laws of logic. <laughs> True, but they're conceptual. They are conceptual, but they're not just conceptual. In other words, they would exist even if no humans existed. They in and of themselves are conceptual, but for them to be applied, there has to be uh, a physical being, a physical mind to you know, make the computations and apply the laws of logic. Well, of course, you have to have a mind to apply the laws of logic, but the laws of logic exist even if no minds existed yes. on the earth. But the laws of logic exist even if no minds existed yes. on the earth. Right? So they're not just human conceptions. They are grounded in a mind, you're correct. What mind? The immaterial, spaceless, timeless mind. If space, matter, and time had a beginning, what caused it? I don't know. Well, you can say I don't know, or you can follow the evidence where it leads. Space, time, matter had a beginning, and the being must also be personal to create, to make a choice to create must also be intelligent to put this universe together with such precision, must also be moral because we have the moral law, must also be a creator in order to create from nothing and powerful. Those are the attributes of God. Why wouldn't you just accept that? When you jump to must be personal because we exist. No, 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 not personal because we exist. 
personal because, because anything exists. Okay, because he made us the way we are. No, 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 uh, no, 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 no. Personal to go from a state of nothingness to a state of creation. The bean had to make a choice. Gravity doesn't make choices, right? Okay. So a, I'm, I'm a, still a not personal being actually lines up logically. It seems like kind of a jump just based on wishful thinking. It all boils down to an argument from ignorance. I don't know. No, 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 no. So it's, this has to be No, it. no, no. Will, Will, it's not an argument from ignorance. There's positive evidence that a spaceless, timeless, immaterial, powerful, moral, personal, intelligent creator exists. That's what we've been given here. Just as much evidence that there's a spaceless, immaterial, flying spaghetti monster that exists. No, 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 because a, the flying spaghetti monster is a being inside the universe, if he exists at all, made of spaghetti. But <laughs> spaghetti by, had a beginning. It's by material. By his nature, he's outside of the universe. He simply chooses to appear to us in the form of spaghetti. Well, if, if you, if you want to call the God of the Bible the flying spaghetti monster, be my guest, but you're not going to find it in the scriptures. The point is simply that you can't prove something that's immaterial. You can claim to make these blanket statements and just jump from one claim to another, Will, but it's not proof. Will, Will, what do you mean by proof? Physical proof. What, what does that mean, physical proof? Is the universe not physical? The universe is physical. Okay, well, that's physical proof right there. When an atheist and unbeliever... When See, and, and that's what they'll always do. They'll always either move the goalposts or they'll, in, and they'll interject, like, some intercede some kind of, like, argument that they're not even talking about. And so you might say, Jeremy, how did we go? How did we go from talking about Jesus is real and he's the only way to God... And that Muhammad isn't real. I mean, not real, but isn't the way. Islam isn't the way. Judaism gets it wrong. How do we go from that to whether or not that we were created or whether or not we evolved? Well, because it's all about evidence. Evidence that we have that supersedes all the evidence to the contrary that A, that we are that we evolved from nothing, that nothing created us all, and B, that God didn't offer, after he created everything, a way for you to be saved from the destruction of it all, and that is Jesus Christ. It's all connected, and you must understand one of, one of those to understand the other. Because if you can't even take the evidence and the proof that we have that is volumes above the proof and the evidence that an evolutionist has as being a possibility then there's no way for you to understand that there is a possibility that God manifested himself as a human being, took away all his powers voluntarily, gave him away, I should say, and then died so that we could be with him because he loves us so much. You can't fathom that. And then you'll, in, you'll, you'll bring in questions that, have, that, that are so easily answered, but you won't accept the answer. And that's called a hardened heart. And like I said, in the end, when it's all said and done, we will all stand there and we will hear, will the defendant please rise? And if your guilty crime in the end isn't very much at all, and you live the life even better than most Christians live, and they still say guilty, see you later, it's because you did not let your heart be softened enough to even hear the gospel and hear the blueprints of how to put the, uh, the instructions on how to put it all together, let alone follow it. You wouldn't even look at them. 
And that's what the Bible calls a fool. And many times in the Proverbs, book of Proverbs, you're going to hear a fool does this, a fool does this, a fool does this, a fool does this. That is why it's so important to read Proverbs. So I love the way that Frank Turek did that there and handled himself there. He took it back to facts and evidence. DNA is evidence of a creation. DNA is evidence of an intelligent designer. Because something that precise cannot be random. Just like 15 letters put together to say, will you take out the garbage mom? Cannot be put there by random. Oh, and let's not forget the precision of the universe itself. If we are under the illusion that nothing created everything and, and, and order was derived out of chaos, then how is that chaos so constant? Meaning, how is it so precise and fluid and continuous? It has the perfect consistency. But how does chaos have perfect order and consistency? Something had to come and tame the chaos, right? Even if you believe that chaos existed before nothing, somebody had to tame that chaos, much like you tame a wild horse or a wild beast. Now, I want to take you to this little interaction between this mom and this kid in this movie. The kid is a non-believer, but his evidence of, and, and proof of the way the solar system and the universe works gets him to at least admit that there's got to be a cre- uh, an intelligent designer itself. I don't believe in God anymore? That isn't something for you to worry about. I need to figure this out myself. Can I help? Maybe I could provide a fresh perspective. I don't think so, baby. Did you know that if gravity were slightly more powerful, the universe would collapse into a ball? I did not. Also, if gravity were slightly less powerful, the universe would fly apart and there'd be no stars or planets. Where are you going with this, Sheldon? It's just that gravity is precisely as strong as it needs to be. And if the ratio of the electromagnetic force to the strong force wasn't 1%, life wouldn't exist. What are the odds that would happen all by itself? Why are you trying to convince me to believe in God? You don't believe in God. I don't, but the precision of the universe at least makes it logical to conclude there's a creator. (sighs) Maybe I appreciate what you're trying to do. But logic is here. And my problem is here. five billion people on this planet and you're the perfect mom for me what are the odds of that man imagine your kid saying that to you imagine being a mom going through a hard trial in life to where your faith is even tested and your child said that to you imagine that was that is that that uh, big bang theory was that sheldon or something like that i don't know i never saw that uh, but I just saw that on, on social media, and I thought it was pretty, it was pretty, um, pretty incredible. Now, I want to tell you a story, okay? story that I heard this weekend. And it's not my story. It's not a personal story to me, but it is a true story that happened to somebody. Not mine, but I want to tell you the story as if he's telling you the story. He said, one day, 
him and his wife, his three-year-old son, Parker, and his 16-month-old daughter, Delaney, were all outside playing and taking pictures of their son. And they were having a good old time, and they were playing, and they were taking pictures, and they were doing poses, and, you know, everything was fun. And they came back in the house, and, and the, the father was in the, in, the, in the living room playing with their three- or four-year-old son. And uh, uh, he thought it had been too long before he, you know, heard from his 16-month-old daughter, and he screamed into his wife into the, living, into the bedroom, hey, you know, is Delaney in there with you? And he said he got the worst answer back is, no, I thought she was with you. And he said at that moment, his heart sank. And he said at that moment, when his heart sank and he felt like he was about ready to keel over, he remembered that their 16-month-old daughter was absolutely infatuated with and they had to keep her away from it constantly, the lake behind the house. So he ran out of the house as fast as he could, he said. And when he came up over the hill in the backyard to see the lake, he saw 16-month-old Delaney face down, floating about 8 to 10 feet from the shore. He said he never ran so fast in his life, and he said in one stride he jumped from the shoreline to the water and reached her in one stride. Lifted her up out of the water. Carried her cold, limp body, he said, to the shore. Laid her down. And he said his neighbor could hear the screaming because he was screaming, get help, get an ambulance, get an ambulance, get help. And he said that his neighbor was a U.S. Marine who was working in the backyard, came running over instantly and started administering CPR on his, I think, 18-month-old. I think it was 18, not 16-month-old, 18-month-old daughter, Delaney. But he knew it was was too late. And since that day, he said... In that moment, I wailed. He said, now, I don't know if you've ever wailed before or heard somebody wailing before. He goes, I've cried. I've screamed. He goes, heck, I've even agonized. But I had never wailed until that moment. And he goes, from that moment on, I realized that nothing in my life would ever be the same again. And my perspective on everything, even just getting up to go get something to eat, would now be forever changed. And he said, if you want to know the lowest form a human can reach, the lowest point in a human's life, he said, it's by far that moment. He says, I have two sons now. I had another son. And he goes, I spend my entire life doing everything I can to bring my kids to Christ. He says, because in a hundred years from now, it won't matter if my now six-year-old son is a truck driver or my now four-year-old son 
flew a spaceship. In the end, they'll be dead just like my daughter Delaney. And he said, and at that moment, there was a moment I realized that there's nothing in this earth that I can do that's even close to as important as bringing my children to Christ. Like he said, it doesn't matter if they're a truck driver or fly a spaceship. In the end, they'll be dead just like his daughter Delaney. And the best thing that he can do for them is to bring them all to Christ. Because the last thing that he wants to be is in heaven with his wife and the rest of his children knowing that any of his children are in hell burning and wailing and gnashing at the teeth. So if I could give you any advice today, folks, like I said, this could be your last rise up. This could be your child's last day at school. Now, you don't want to think like that, but at the same time, you want to understand the reality of where we live and what we are. And there is only one way. And when you hear, will the defendant rise, as everyone will hear, child or adult, you want to know that you have the best attorney and that he's already got it all secured and that he made a plea deal for you already on the cross and that you are completely vindicated and you can go free. And I hope that this show today strikes a little bit of urgency in your life, in your hearts, in your families, in your hypocrisy, Because you're not promised tomorrow. So make sure that you have everything in in order. I love you guys. God bless you. Enjoy the music on your way out. Let the tears stream. Because this is Rise Up. And that's what we do here. We let it out. I love you guys. Sean Farish and Ungoverned comes up next, followed by Live from America. And I'll see you then. Enjoy your morning. Say your prayers. And talk with God throughout the day. It's the only way to get through life. See you later. Son for redemption. The price for my heart And I don't have a contest For that kind of love I don't understand Oh